Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Mary Kay Wells. Mary Kay is the Chief Information Officer of Pearson, an education company that earns roughly three and a half billion pounds in revenue annually. She's held that role since 2016. Mary Kay and her team have been at the center of a remarkable transformation at the company as it has expanded its digital offering and shifted from primarily a B2B orientation to a B2C orientation in the process. She's also seen the pandemic as an opportunity to rethink how innovation is done. Mary Kay has been a CIO four times over, and I also look forward to hearing more about her pathway to leadership and her learnings along the way. Mary Kay, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thanks, Peter. Uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I am as well. Well, uh, Mary Kay, you are the Chief Information Officer of Pearson, a role you've had since 2016. And I wonder if you could take a moment for those who uh, may be less familiar with it, just to provide a thumbnail sketch into Pearson's business, please. Yeah, so it's, it's Pearson's business has really evolved since since I've actually joined. I joined Pearson eight years ago, and we were just coming off of, uh, we were very much focused on education and publishing, but we were a conglomerate at the time, and we even owned the Financial Times. And the, the business has really focused in the last few years around learning, really developing um, capabilities for people to to learn and make progress in their lives. So we're very much focused on, uh, still focused on institutional learning. We're a global company. We're in lots of different geographies. And we really offer English language learning, workforce skills learning, higher ed and uh, K-12 and virtual schools learning. And we have a, a very large assessments and qualifications business. Excellent. I appreciate that overview. would love to delve into some of those topics a little bit more yeah. deeply. But before we do, Mary Kay, talk a bit about your role as, as a CIO. What's within your purview in that role? So I have, if you think about the CIO role here, uh, we have, uh, I have responsibility for the, the traditional things that you would think about uh, that a CIO has. I have infrastructure and operations, uh, sec- security, um, you know, back office functions, you know, campus networks and things like that. So the overall responsibility. And then we also have responsibility for uh, really areas that support our online learners. So our shift has been over the last few years around uh, driving additional uh, additional capabilities around digital learning. And really our team has been at the forefront of that transformation. Uh, so we, I also have responsibility around moving, moving some of our services to the cloud, uh, but also adopting things like machine learning and uh, running a, a digital content ecosystem for the company. Very interesting indeed. And uh, I, I wonder if you could reflect a bit on the dynamics of the past couple of years in pandemic when so many of us have had to uh, adopt digital channels and ways uh, and with a frequency uh, uh, uncommon prior to the pandemic. It strikes me that the areas you just uh, highlighted towards the conclusion of your description of your responsibilities uh, are squarely where kind of so much of the world is going, um, you know, learning digitally, finding platforms to do so and so on. Talk a bit about how the pandemic has impacted that part of your business and the adoption of it. So we started a, I mentioned that we were a conglomerate and uh, we we really wanted to start to transform the business so that we would be ready to support our digital learners and really shift from traditional publishing and textbooks to, to how do we create learning experiences for our students and our learners. 
And so what when the pandemic came, it's it was very interesting because we we were definitely on a transformation journey at the time, but we realized at the time how much how much faster we could go, right? And we did we did reprioritize certain initiatives that we we had. We weren't so much around consolidation and simplification. And we were really focused on making sure that we could support our digital business because our digital business really grew at the time. And we've learned so much since. And, and we've taken some of our learnings and we've said, you know, things that we were doing prior to the pandemic were a bit, in some cases, bureaucratic and things that we understand now that we we just need to move on with the decision-making and really act more like a digital first company whenever we can. So during the pandemic, the first thing we did is really focus on how we get our employees, our call centers. We had like a thousand different call center agents offering that capability and making sure that they were effectively supporting our customers and our employees at home. And that was pretty much standard uh, that a a lot of companies went through that. What we additionally had to do is really account for, we had a lot of digital products and they were considered, especially in the international markets, supplemental products. So you you had a textbook, but you also had a supplemental digital product. And the growth of those products grew. For example, Italy was the first to see, to really get hit by the pandemic. And we saw that some of our digital capabilities there and digital growth grew up to 500% in a few weeks. And that was unforecasted growth. So we were extremely lucky that we had a cloud practice so that we could easily move some of those workloads to the cloud. Uh, You know, things that we would have thought would have taken us months, took us days. And we did over a weekend and we planned in two days and we didn't go for perfection. We went for uh, to make sure that we, we were really focused in, in achieving the outcomes. And, and we've learned a lot from that too. And then we, we saw this unprecedented growth across our North American regions and the, the rest of the world as the pandemic spread. And then as the uh, pandemic lasted such a long time, we understood that it was going to affect our certification business. So then we had to, in the UK, figure out how we calculate the equivalent of what end of year exam would be. Um, that's so important in the UK. So we had to really adapt and think about digital growth at a rate that we we never ha- had forecasted before. Yeah, remarkable and, and yes. uh, quite a story that your your organization was resilient enough and had, had fortunately uh, oriented itself, reoriented itself towards uh, more modern digital practices such that you, you could be so resilient during trying and unexpected times. Um, I wanted to also ask you, um, part of what you're describing, I think, is under the rubric of the Pearson Plus platform. But I wanted you to take a moment, if you would, and just sort of describe uh, uh, describe that in more detail as uh, one of the centerpieces of what you and the team have put in place. Right. So um, at the end of or near the middle of the pandemic, we were actually we were able to get a new CEO. I think the search had been on for, for a while. And uh, 
Andy Bird came in and he really had a, a different perspective coming from Disney. So, you know, Disney was extremely, has been extremely successful with their subscription business. You know, thinking about things a little bit differently at Pearson, we had very much adopted online products and e-commerce capability. But what we hadn't done is thought about how would we bundle some of these services and offer learning through an individual's life. So what we did is we were able to, within a few months, launch the Pearson Plus product. We really focused on higher education. That was really right for um, the subscription business at the time. We offered our Pearson Plus and we launched our Pearson Plus product July of 21. And uh, we've, we've been able to get a substantial amount of students adopting the product. A lot of our universities have adopted the product. And we're looking at continuing that journey through other experiences, and especially utilizing some of our, our newer acquisitions that we've been able to acquire in other business units, especially around online learning language, learning English. Uh, that's a big business for Pearson. And so understanding how we can use technology to really decide how we can improve uh, the skills of an individual and then offer them additional online digital capability. That's really interesting, Mary Kay. And I wonder how this journey for the company has impacted the way you think about your own team's learning. To what extent do you drink your own champagne, if you will, uh, in uh, creating lifelong learners. Technology is one of the most dynamic aspects of any business and the pace of change is only hastening. Uh, and therefore, you know, it's incumbent upon all of us to continue to build the skills of tomorrow as opposed to resting on the laurels of the skills of the past. Has Pearson's own journey been impactful in the way in which you've thought about uh, your own team's education journey, if you will, and, and, and learning agility along the way? Yeah, so we have, you know, working at a company like Pearson, people are very passionate about the mission. Traditionally, people that join Pearson really have a passion for learning, and then they want to offer great products and great experiences. And so uh, the technology team, uh, even before the pandemic, we adapted something called learning hours and learning at work. And what we do is we have about a thousand different learning hours that are available. And that's just not technology certifications and learning. It's also learning practices around leadership, communication. So it goes across the different aspects of learning. And we do use some of our own products in, inside of that learning. A lot of our employees are allowed to take up to, and we're you know, encouraging employees to take up to 80 hours of learning a year. And that includes providing, you know, getting certifications and actually looking at lateral uh, moves across the organization so that they can use the skills that they acquire in one area and really move to the other. I can't say enough about how it's, it's kind of inside of our culture and our employees really expect that. I think as a result of, of participating in learning, they are able to offer and, and really innovate a little bit better because they, they think about learning in a different way, when, especially when they're practicing learning. I will say, in addition to that, we've actually launched some apprenticeships. So we've worked with um, some individuals outside of the company that really traditionally have not had a higher level education and we're actually bringing them in for apprenticeships. For example, we're focusing first on cloud and we're teaching them some cloud skills and really understanding how 
an individual that doesn't particularly have some technical skills when they come into Pearson, but they're very interested in it and how how they can adapt to um, to some of our learning products themselves. That's really great. I, I I love that description and the way in which you've thought about that and the, the way in which it's impacted the organization as well. I wonder if you also, Mary Kay, part of what you've described through through this conversation is a broader move from a B2B orientation to a B2C orientation. Um, uh, and I wonder, you know, what perspectives you've drawn from that as well. It used to be from a technology perspective, there was a real bifurcation between B2B organizations and B2C. Sure, there was a lot in the guts of the technology that was similar, but its use obviously would be different if it was an enterprise that was the intended customer versus an individual. And, and I wonder, you know, in your own reflections now, uh, six years into your own role uh, as one of the architects of this a shift across the organization, conclusions you've drawn or interesting insights that have come from that. Well, I think it, it's, it is very interesting because if you think about Pearson and in the customer, it's all about who the customer is. Obviously, the customer very much is, you know, the decision makers, whether they're the enterprises, they're the institutions that choose to adapt our products. Um, so, you know, we had been very and very much focused on that. But we we as an organization have always been. Uh, really interested and focused on efficacy. And that is how effective is the content and the learning products that we offer our students? And how can we provide a better opportunity to learn, right? And, And we also understand how individuals learn differently. So from a focus perspective, we've always been very much focused on the consumer or the learner. From a business perspective, we have been really focused on institutions and the decision makers around the adoption of the courses. And I think that that's a major difference that we we have, especially around a shift around thinking about how we offer and we start to offer much more consumer grade products. And, you know, there, there's been so much learning there. Some learning is around, you know, the volume is much higher. Right. So you you can't do things the same way as you did on the B2B side. Right. The way you support a consumer has to be very engaging and very simple. And we can't expect a consumer to call, for example, Pearson, if they've got a question. Really putting ourselves in the minds of the consumer, not just around the learning experience, but the onboarding experience and the experience around how you would actually sign up and subscribe and how that needs to be simple. Uh, we're we're learning there, and then we're also, you know, using technologies to really enhance that experience, such as AI, ML. We're trying to automate as much as we can, and we're trying to use um, like customer data platforms to really start to measure and g- gain intelligence, so how we can continuously improve. And all of those things really weren't considered when we were just focused on improving the learning experience when we were much more into a a B2B culture. Very interesting. Thank you for for that overview. I know from our past conversations, Mary Kay, that innovation has been a big part of what you've also helped drive. And you you shared with me some anecdotes of the results of a Shark Tank style competition uh, that you've assembled. I wonder if you could talk a bit about the construct of that, as well as some of what's what's been uh, driven from from that competition as well. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I forgot that I told you about that. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. So during the pandemic, uh, if you remember, I think it was like a month into the pandemic, everybody was like, you know, when are we going to go back? You know, is, is it going to end? And then one of the things that we came up with is it's a real opportunity to start collaborating across the world. We have technology people almost in every country, right? And we have individuals outside of technology and every country we do business in. You know, one of the things we said is this is a real opportunity for people to start to work together across geographies, across technology groups, across, um, you know, across different divisions. And we assembled something called, you know, we, we called a shark tank competition. What, what the idea was is for, for individuals to come together and to start solving problems. So it's really getting, getting our heads into a place where we're trying to solution rather than, you know, identify. It was really easy to identify all the things that are wrong with the world, right? And so to get really focused on solutioning and really leveraging and learning what others can bring to the table. We assembled a Shark Tank competition, which uh, was really four teams, four weeks, and four ideas. So, and uh, we had, you know, four judges, you know, kind of in the individuals came together. So it was all about fast. It was all about collaboration and trying to solve real issues. It took on so, so much interest that we had four cohorts over the term of, of the pandemic when we were all at home, we solved really some legitimate customer issues. So one issue we solved was uh, we worked with a school system in, in Minnesota and we did this AWS in a box kind of um, construct where you know schools didn't have access to the cloud or access to technology. So we tried to help our customers in some locations really look at how we could really build kind of a, a lab environment so that they could they could do more and provide more learning for their students. Uh, we did a an immersive learning project where we developed some healthcare experiences uh, using immersive learning. You know, we have our own uh, immersive learning education university partnering with Epic Games and it's a design studio. And um, so we've already we already had a lot of people that understood immersive immersive experiences. It's called Escape Studios. But anyways, we um, so we developed immersive experiences that so we learned there, and then we did an an online tutoring platform. So things that were relevant at the time during the pandemic, but things that we could come together and really develop in a short period of time, do proof of concepts, and understand how we could really bring some of these ideas to market. You mentioned there was a, a change of and a new chief executive officer uh, in the in recent times, and I know that you've been working with with him um, to have the divisions engage with IT in a different sort of service model um, and some really interesting sort of changes that you've you've uh, put in place there. And thinking about the interactions between uh, your organization and the rest of the company, um, I wonder if you can share some some perspectives on what those changes have entailed. Yeah, so I think the way that we think about technology is that it's a function versus an organization at Pearson. And so what I mean by that is, is that we, we are very much less worried about who's doing what or who's coming up with an idea. And I think that this has been a shift since the pandemic and since some of uh, the new organizational model came, came into existence. And, you know, what we do is, is, 
we're really focusing on how to engage and work across the company. So it's really a culture change because we're having more and more individuals that really need to focus on technology, more engineering talent across the company. And we really need to focus on a bit of standardization, but so that we can actually move a lot of the engineering teams and skills that, that they're transferable from, for example, from our workforce to division to our higher ed and so far. And so understanding how we bring the teams together to talk about some of the principles that we really want to hold ourselves uh, accountable to and how we work. Um, I think these new ways of working have really uh, given the teams autonomy uh, within boundaries um, and then we're trying to really adopt a blameless culture. So we've gone out to some of the digital first companies and we've said, you know, not just tell me about your technology, but tell me about how you work together. Tell me about the culture. And in really providing that cross-functional working group and leadership across the teams has really brought some of the, the teams that never really spoke with each other and really wanted to go off and, and pick their own platforms. They see a need now, especially with our focus around direct-to-consumer, around why we need to provide uh, a level of standardization and collaboration across the teams. I think people are really the driving force on everything we do, especially behind our technology. And, you know, it's really important to understand and get consistency around our values and our leadership and, and what we're focused on. And I think that's working very well. Well, that's very interesting indeed. I wonder if you could take a moment and talk about um, trends that excite you, Mary Kay, as you look to the future, what are some that, uh, that are beginning to make their way onto your roadmap? Yeah, so I talked a little bit about the immersive. We've been really focused with our with our escape studio partnership and uh, some of our partnerships that we have with Epic Games, for example, on how we can use immersive technologies across the learning experience. Uh, actually, we've even kind of coined the term metaversity. Everybody's getting into Web three up that dot o, but we've actually done some. Um, research around um, developing some content in the metaverse and really trying to getting some feedback from some learners. And they will say it's an effective means for learning. Now, what we haven't done is obviously measure the, the efficacy and what type of individuals want to learn in the metaverse, what type of in, individuals uh, like immersive experiences versus not. But as we look into individuals that are entering higher education today, a lot of those students have spent considerable amount of time in, in the gaming world. And so there is a linkage there. Um, so I do believe that students think it's more effective, but I think there's a lot more research to be done there. I'd say another trend is really around uh, passwordless authentication, if you think about in decentralized networks. Um, and you really, what does identity mean in a, in a web 3.0 world? Um, looking at self-sovereign identities and things like that. I think that those trends are extremely interesting. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about what some of our um, identity providers and our security partners have come up with. Very, very interesting indeed. I wondered also, Mary Kay, if you could reflect for a moment as somebody who's been a chief information officer, if I've counted correctly, four times over across multiple decades, um, 
what have been some of the keys to your success? Uh, what, what, what were some of the difference makers, especially as a, as, a, as a woman in technology, somebody who's been a bit of a pioneer from that perspective, when you first became a CIO, there weren't, I can't imagine you went to many CIO conferences that were, uh, or there were tons of women around. Hopefully that's expanded a bit, even though there's more progress to be made, needless to say. But but talk about a bit about uh, some of the things that have been uh, the keys to your own success as you've grown as a business executive. Well, you know, thanks for asking that. So one of the things I often reflect on is, is when I started my career and uh, as a woman in technology, I felt very alone, right? And I think it's important for us to um, encourage, you know, individuals that, that really go into technology, especially women, to stay the course. And I think a lot of that is we've started a women in technology um, network at Pearson. We have about 450 now women in inside that network. And it's really around recognition, retention, and recruitment. We've we've actually had double-digit retention with women staying in the technology field. And then we've also had double-digit growth in leadership positions. And I feel like my learnings across, you know, having worked at a lot of different companies and being CIO, it's really important to provide that network, I think, and that level of, of support across all individuals. Um, my success, I would say, is I am very focused on what we're trying to do as a company, right? So I, I do love technology, but I love the outcomes more. I think my, part of my success is, is I am very much of a business results focused leader. And I try to really instill that in our operating model and my communication and how how we we run as a team across the organization and how we partner with our business colleagues. No, all all uh, great insights there. I really appreciate your your uh, deeper reflection across your journey as an executive. Well, Mary Kay Wells, thank you so much for joining me today, uh, sharing a bit about the remarkable transformation that you and the team have driven at Pearson, some of the dynamics in a in an organization that has itself reinvented it, uh, uh, itself for the for the digital age, uh, and the variety of other things that we covered. Uh, it, it's been a fantastic conversation. Well, thanks a lot, Peter, for having me. And I look forward to seeing you maybe at an upcoming conference. Yeah, I, w I will look forward to it, certainly. <laughs>